Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Look through your children's eyes and you will discover the true magic of a forest. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. The art world, it is essentially a money laundering business. The best fakes are still hanging on people's walls, you know. They don't even know or suspect that they're fakes. I'm Alec Baldwin, and this is a podcast about deception, greed, and forgery in the art world. I just walked in and saw this bright red painting presuming to be a Rothko. Of course, art forgeries only happen because there's money to be made. A lot of money. I'm listening to how what they're paying for these things. It was incredible amounts of money. You knew the painting was fake. Um. Listen to Art Fraud on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Glory Adam, host of Well Read Black Girl. Each week, we journey together through the cultural moment where art, culture, and literature collide and pay homage to the women whose books we grew up reading. It's the literary kickback you never knew you needed. Listen to Well-Read Black Girl on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Matt Sohn. I was a camera operator, I was a director of photography, and I was a director of the TV show, The Office. Hello, one and all. Thank you for joining me on another episode of The Office Deep Dive. It is so great to have you here. I am your host, Brian Baumgartner. Now, today, we are diving deeper into our Camera as Character miniseries with a conversation with my dear, dear friend, Matt Sohn. Matt was hired by Randall Einhorn as his camera operator starting in season one. And then Matt went on to replace Randall as our director of photography. And then eventually, just like Randall, became a big-time director. In fact, he's so big, I had to travel to New York to conduct this interview, which I would not do for just anyone. Let's be clear. And speaking of New York, in my conversation with John Krasinski, who I also spoke to in New York, 
I explained that Matt and I had a very special relationship on set. As I told John, I thought of it like a quarterback and a wide receiver where Matt would give me a nod and I'd know he was going to toss the camera to me for a button or a look of, of some kind. And when I told John this, as you may recall, John ripped me apart for saying that. But let's just say in this interview, I get fully vindicated. So take that, Mr. Krasinski. Um, in addition to being the quarterback to my wide receiver, Matt is an all-around fantastic guy. And he shared so many wonderful insights about what made our show truly special. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with the very wise, always correct, never wrong, John Matson. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning Left over from the night before Oh, there he is. I was just reading your text messages. How are you, buddy? Good, my oh, good to see you. You look way, way less haggard than Randall. <laughs> Ramble's got this whole beautiful thing it's happening. It's like, uh, it's, he's got, I think he's trying to emulate Larry Charles, right? With the beard? No, you look very, I mean, look, there. you've got a directing shirt. Actually, I remember that about you. That was, well, that was my differences. Yeah, when on set, you used to change wardrobe. Well, I, for my directing. Yeah, yes. when you directed, that was, you that would was dress a, up. That I, was your yeah. signature thing. Well, no, it was so people would look at me a little differently than Why? the jeans and the... Because I would get judged, man. No. I mean, you it never would. were Paul Feig, though. Well, of course not. Um, are you comfortable? Are you, you need to... I noticed that we're just anything? jumping right into this. No, we're I don't just wanna, chatting. Are we? Because yeah. it doesn't seem like yeah, it. What do you mean? I wanted just to say hello. I know. We're saying hello. There's, no, there's nothing. No one has any control over us. Yeah. Um, it's very good to see you. It's As nice always, to see you. It's, it's been, been too long. Yeah, but that's that's I, usually the case these days. I saw Jen Salata. We, I talked with her last week in Los Angeles. Oh, did you interview her? And I love her. She's awesome. I love her. Well, and we keep in touch. So I do you? I, yeah. Oh, good for yeah. you. Well, it's interesting because Jen and my daughter have a relationship because my daughter's now 13. Right. Both my kids were born during our time on the office. I know. Which and is shocking. I sent, what was it? Was it was a bar mitzvah. mitzvah? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So she's, that she's was, a big fan of the show now. She, uh, it's it's so funny because she's a, both my kids my my son has just started watching it okay and and so both of them are huge fans and and it was great to watch her see the show for the first time because she was like wait it's Mindy it's oh, right. it's BJ it's you know all the people that were over for our Halloween parties and that she had no concept of and then she was like wait I didn't know I didn't realize that right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And my son likes to tell people that, you know, he was on an episode of The Office. Who was it? Who was he again? So I think it was Baby Shower. Okay. Greg asked both Mike Schur and I if we could bring our babies to set. Okay. Because Steve needed to hold a couple babies. Right. And our wives are in the background. Of the shot <laughs> and and the kids, Michael's Michael's holding the two babies, and you see uh, Mike Schur's wife, and you see my wife, kind of in the background behind it. That's so cool. Yeah. So my son, my eleven year old son, likes to to make the point that he was on the office. Oh my gosh, that is crazy. Yeah, it's funny. So you, um, let's go back to early two thousands. You are, well, you did the first two Apprentices. Is that right? I, Season one and two. I did. And Survivor. 
I did. Now, when was Survivor? Was that early Survivor? Survivor was before. Okay. Survivor was was before The Apprentice. And then before Survivor was Eco Challenge, The Adventure Race. Okay, now that you shot with Randall. I think Australia was like the third season of The Eco Challenge. And that's where Randall, that's where Randall and I. So you found Randall in a bush in Australia. I I would say Mark Burnett found him. And you were a camera operator. I was a camera operator. And then uh, I started DPing reality stuff. I was DPing documentaries. I was uh, doing low budget movies. So how did you get hooked up with the folks from the office? That was all Randall. Randall. Yeah, Randall got hired. I think Randall had some kind of relationship or knew or got to know Ben Silverman. Ben Silverman, yes. And then I think it was Ben that brought him in. And because Randall and I knew the dance and you know, he was planning to operate, he wanted somebody that understood it, brought me in. And uh, yeah, we did it together. Now, when you say do the dance, what do you mean? So when... With the particular style of show, because it was a, a mockumentary documentary, it was what we did in the bush, you know, for Survivor, for whatever. And and your storytelling from behind the camera, you're finding everything that you need to 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 find. And a lot of the times you're by yourself, so you need to make it look like there are multiple cameras covering a scene, and you're you're having to react quickly, you know, to catch the moments. I think that was sort of what was brought into the style of, of the office. I mean, it existed in the style of the sure. original version, but I think we kind of honed it down. It was something that Randall and I did anyway for our reality and documentary stuff. So when you're shooting documentary reality type stuff, is anybody prompting you about what to get or? In theory, there's a producer out there, but a lot of times when someone talks in your ear, it's more of an annoyance. It's, right. it's all about having instincts and listening and being able able to kind of edit things within your head and understand what shots you need to tell the story. Interesting. And on the show, you had earpieces on, on the office, at least part of the time. And I remember now you guys yanking them out. Now, why, who was talking to you on the office? Well, it depends upon when, when you ask that question, because there, there would be times where, you know, we had, I think we had the smallest camera department in all of Hollywood. It was, you know, it was Randall, myself, it was Chris, it was Ed. For the first season, first two seasons, I think we had a dit. And the theory with a, a dit, with the, they would uh, roll the iris, they would control things. But the problem is, is that Randall and I kind of did all that ourselves. We were pulling our own focus. We were changing the exposure. And when you do a camera move and the did is realizing what it is and slowly doing pulling the iris it's not as quick as me knowing okay i'm gonna throw to somebody over in the corner and i see it's darker over there so i'm gonna open up my exposure and pull my focus and zoom in for the shot it's kind of multiple things going on at once i don't know if that answered your question no it does i mean it's also giving me a greater appreciation that you kind of knew what you were doing which until this moment i didn't realize that you thank you i appreciate that No, but I, no, but that's interesting. So in a way, because you guys were taking care of so much of it yourself, other people were just kind of getting in your way that you needed it to be more rugged, ragged, or. Well, I mean, that was the feel of the show. I mean, we, we, we would lay out, you know, you'd have a director come in and you'd talk about the, the shot and it's the only, you know, there are very few shows that can on the same lens start with a super wide lens and then zoom in tight to someone's face in the first moment and do a whip across the room to catch somebody else's reaction. You know, it's a plus for the show is that it could look a little dirty and didn't have to be perfect. I mean, I think we were good at what we did, but you could see, you know, when things aren't, you know, immediately in focus or you're missing it and you're finding it, but it's all part of, you know, the show. Right. Was it a conscious decision by you? You're working in reality television. Did you want to be working in the scripted world or was this just the job that showed up? I was playing in the scripted world. I would, I would come in and operate on scrubs. 
and a handful of other shows. I was shooting scripted, you know, low budget feature stuff and I enjoyed it. And it was something that was interesting for me. Ultimately, it came at the right time. You know, I ended up, I got dengue fever on Survivor Thailand. Right. And that, I was sick for, I don't know, like six months from that. It ultimately, I, I, it, it did two wonderful things for me. Number one, the girlfriend that I had that took care of me, I realized I needed to propose to. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that was the most important. Yeah. Uh, uh, number two is it sort of knocked me out of reality television. I was supposed to go from that survivor to do the next season of The Amazing Race because I was bouncing back and forth between Survivor and The Amazing Race. And I physically couldn't do it because I had no energy, I had no strength. And it was a little while after that that I got the call from Randall that said, hey, do you want to come and operate on this new show? And I jumped at the opportunity. Wow. You know, once you're working in a particular field, you get kind of buttonholed into it and it's what you get known for and it's where you end up. And, you know, so it was nice to break that gravitational pull in that From direction reality. And, right. and to get into scripted. Right. Um, he attributed this to Greg, but one of the things that Randall talked about was this sort of adage, everything that makes it harder makes it better. I think it was originally Einstein or something, but it, the idea was Einstein, Greg, Greg, Einstein, Randall, it's all the same. <laughs> um, that the idea that you didn't want to shoot something perfectly, like having to fight through a, a pillar that was in the middle of the room right. or, or even moving a plant over into the shot. So right. that it appeared to a make it more dirty, difficult without a doubt. Well, and it's also interesting because, you know, after takes, you would learn the script and know when the line was, you didn't want to beat a whip to somebody who had a line. You wanted a reason to have to pan over to accounting to, to whip over to Stanley, you know, you needed that moment you didn't want to beat it there, but you know, sometimes you did. Well, I remember actually, now that I'm thinking about it, you guys would ask at times for, uh, handles. Exactly. Right. Particularly if the line was short. Without a doubt. And a, and a handle, it would just be something as simple as a, uh, what? Or Michael. Y yeah. Just something. And Michael? then it, it just gave us that excuse to do that whip to that person, because a lot of times, you know, it's impossible to truly cover a, a, a true conversation when you got six people talking and it, when people talk naturally and they're saying something as simple as why yes or whatever, and sure. you want to be able to get that and sell the joke. So just to have a little handle on there, you know, gave us a fighting chance. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was great because the the camera was definitely a character in the show and and it was great to be a part of that and it did you know there were there were scenes that were written as a spy shot and there were scenes that were written you know okay the camera's obviously there so you can feel free to look at it but there were also scenes that i think we discovered once we shot them what felt better and what worked better and you know, it might have started out as a spy shot and then someone was caught and you saw that little look to camera and a reaction and a change and a tone. And um, For a comedy, it was very different stylistically. And, you know, I think that the British show was very different stylistically. So, I mean, you know, one of my proudest accomplishments is, is being a part of this show that has, you know, become so much more than I feel like it ever was now, however many years it's been, you know, since it was on the air and that it still holds up and that the joke still lands and that the comedy is still there. Yeah. Do you remember you shot most of the talking heads? <clears throat> yes, that I did. Do you remember the most difficult or some of the most difficult things that you had to shoot from a standpoint of, not laughing or so I, I'm fortunate that 
I am kind of a, a laughing on the inside clown and I could keep it in. And the- this episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good thing about breaking in a talking head is the camera was on a tripod, not on my shoulder. The bigger challenges was to break during scenes that we were shooting and the camera was on my shoulder. And there are some extra little shakes and giggles. Right. Um, and there's one particular scene that I remember not a talking head of, of Steve Carell. I don't know what it was. Steve Carell saying, uh, how Benjamin Franklin is a douche. (laughs) We had the Ben Franklin, uh, impersonator as the stripper with the strip. Yes. Yes. And, and I don't know what it was, but I was in tears and I could not hold the camera because I was giggling so much with that moment. And that was the one true time that I broke. Now, it was a, a regular thing. Like, Jen Salata broke a lot yes. when she did her interviews for the Talking Heads. Yes. We discussed she having to be banished from the room. I often, she would have to go out and, and we'd give them another eye line. Um, I feel like, you know, for Talking Heads, Rain, Dwight had the most ridiculous talking heads of anybody and pure comedy and without a doubt. And those were the ones that I feel like not only broke him, but broke everybody around him. It's a hard time for hiring. So you need a hiring partner built for hard times. That's Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one hiring partner that can help you do it all. 
Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. What's up, guys? I'm Rashad Bilal. And I am Troy Millings, and we are the hosts of the Earn Your Leisure podcast, where we break down business models and examine the latest trends in finance. We hold court and have exclusive interviews with some of the biggest names in business, sport and entertainment, from DJ Khaled to Mark Cuban, Rick Ross, and Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, our alumni list is expansive. Listen in as our guests reveal their business models, hardships, and triumphs in their respective fields. The knowledge is in depth, and the questions are always delivered from your standpoint. We want to know what you want to know. We talk to the legends of business, sports, and entertainment about how they got their start, and most importantly, how they make their money. Earn Your Leisure is a college business class mixed with pop culture. Want to learn about the real estate game? Unclear as how the stock market works? We got you. Interested in starting a trucking company or a vending machine business? Not really sure about how taxes or credit work? We got it all covered. The Earn Your Leisure podcast is available now. Listen to Earn Your Leisure on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Consciously, I mean, you talked about the camera being a character. What characters did you like? Well, I, I, it was so funny though because I feel like I was so invested in so much of it, and and it became a thing that it was like I knew that I could give you a look and throw the camera your way, and you were always there to give me a reaction. And and I I recall that I could have a shot of John or of Michael and I could just peek over and catch your eye and give you that look and do a whip to you. And you would be there with some kind of eye roll or giggle or something that would make me laugh. And it was a worthwhile, a worthwhile moment, you know, and I know that it wasn't everybody that I could do that with. And I know that you and I had that relationship Yes. And and it worked well. You know, and I know that the accounting department as a whole knowing your guys' backgrounds, I know you guys always had your little bits that you did and that you worked really hard in trying to find those moments. I mean, in the early days, you know, all those other characters kind of blossomed into what they were. They were all so minimal. And it was fun to find moments and to find stories that weren't necessarily there and to make more out of a moment and to be able to do it with just a look, you know, throwing the camera to you to get a giggle and then finding Angela being annoyed because you're giggling at whatever Dwight is saying at the moment. It was priceless and it made it in and it was funny. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I want everyone to know I did not prompt him to say those things this was that was a spontaneous thing and i have told people that you specifically we would do like the the wide receiver quarterback nod like i got you got me i got you it's it's coming i told john this story and he 
just railed into me. Did like, he really? Oh, yeah. Like we're like we're having a great scene, and now you want to take credit. But you know what? That that was my small contribution at times to without the a end doubt. of scenes. Well, and and when they couldn't get it together, that's it. Randall and I would have the running joke that we would throw to John, and he would give us the number four, which was a particular look that he would give to the camera. Number four. The you number called four. it the number four. Well, we had it numbered so there were a couple of looks that were sort of the john looks and and it depending on what the scene was we would know uh, this is a dwight moment oh he's going to give us the number four i'm throwing to john uh, right. there it is the number four well that's that's so funny because my really my question about that like the you know if the camera is a character then obviously you're affecting that relationship but also like did you feel like Jim was more simpatico with, you know, the documentarian or. Oh, without a doubt. So, yeah, I think that Jim's character as a whole, more than anyone else, Jim was the one that had the biggest relationship with camera. He was the one truly grounded, relatable person on the show. And he was the one that I think had the best relationship with the crew and that he kind of knew what we were going through and what we were dealing with. So you could always find Jim for a look or a nod and, and you know, he got it. Right. So what was always discussed externally was the, the character's relationship to the camera and whether it was there or it wasn't there or was it seen or not seen or were we trying to hide from it or whatever. Was there any discussion about you as the cameraman having an opinion or having a perspective on what you were seeing? I mean, I feel like our perspective came across in how we covered the situations. So I don't feel like we went into it with a plan. I think something kind of grew out of it. You know, there were characters who almost never played the camera. I feel like Mindy never really played. Yeah, and like I think I did more I than Oscar like, and Angela. Well, I feel like, yeah, I mean, Creed, no, Kate, no, not really Leslie. I mean, I, I feel like they were aware, but just doing their thing. You know, Michael would get caught and, and he would catch the camera and see the situation that he was in and feel caught. Jim seemed to always know where the camera was at all times. Um, Kevin seemed to be aware of the camera because it was another kind of play toy for him. Mm -hmm. Dwight, it went kind of both ways. There would be times where he would kind of try to present play to the camera and, and other times where he would kind of just get caught. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like, how much did you feel open to making suggestions? On the show? Well, what was interesting with the show is that, that we, had, we had great directors. We had a who's who of directors come into the show. You know, when you have Paul Feig, Ken Quapis, um, Harold Ramis, J.J. Abrams. What was great, I mean, ultimately, all of these directors were my directing school. And, and my whole thing once I started directing on the show was that I... Throughout my time there, I tried to pull something from each of these directors to keep with me, whether it was a, a positive thing or a negative thing that I learned. With all of these directors coming in, they all had such respect, which I'm thankful for, for both Randall and I to let us do our thing because we knew the show so well. And I think Charles McDougal might have been sort of the only director that was so specific with his moves. You know, he had such a vision of it that he would say, zoom into his face, down to the credit card, up to the computer, down to the keyboard, back right. to his face. You know, he had these uh, other times, you know, most of the directors would say, well, yeah, just cover this and make it feel, you know, like the office. Right. And Randall and I would do our thing. Right. Okay. Quiz question. Okay. You have to answer honestly. What type of scene would cause the biggest disruption in our work day or week 
the the conference room scenes were the black holes of okay. scenes. I mean, they were brilliant for what it was, but when you got the entire cast sitting in chairs and you have Michael Scott doing one of his bits and depending on what kind of mood you were in, but depending on what kind of mood John was in right. and who was messing with who, it would it would decide if we were going to be there for hours or if we were going to get through it, you know. But constantly, people were breaking, people were messing around, people were, yeah, it was chaos. Okay, that's a good answer. You you failed the quiz. Oh shit! Really? Yeah, I I have said that nothing could halt production like a Jim Pam scene. Oh, see, I thought you meant an overall scene. Oh God, there would be all sorts of huddles and groups. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. And clearings of sets. When there would be like a Jim and Pam moment, I I had a very specific Tom Waits impression that I would do, which would be something like, there's a discussion the monitor and the writers would get so aggravated but but it was true though the writers would get called they would all come down we would dissect the scene we would rebuild it it also though depended on who was directing and who had written it you know and who was present at the time those early jim and pam scenes where they were just starting or i mean the kiss oh my god you know we cleared set i feel like for an hour and a half, I think that that Ken, because it, it was Ken, Ken Quapis that was with them on set, and then just Randall and I came in, and we were shoved in corners just to see where we would get our shots from, and we had our game plan, and just getting to the point of of rolling on that. Why do Why do you think those were so important? Well, again, I think that their relationship was such a great thing, and it was a slow burn early on, and they didn't want to go too far too fast and they wanted to keep it grounded and they wanted to keep it real and i think that it was finding that exact tone that kept everybody happy that kept their relationship you know on point to give it that slow build and the great thing about their relationship is it felt real and it felt grounded and it wasn't one of these ridiculous romantic, silly things that you see in a lot of shows that just happens. It was a slow burn that basically grew fruits of their labor. Right. But you guys, I mean, it's occurring to me right now, you guys were so instrumental in telling that story 
because it really was just about you guys finding very, very small moments because they were so small, they were supercharged. Right. And, and with that, the cameras were always hidden. It was always at the end of the lens. You know, you would, you would be so still that the only movement in the camera would literally be your heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, I think that those moments were so well written and so well acted that it was easy for us being hidden to tell our side of that story. And then you got to tell like a fun love, a couple of fun love stories with Dwight and Angela and Kelly and Ryan, which were kind of the opposite end well, of the spectrum. And, and, and just the same with, with uh, Ellie and Andy. Yes. You know, there were a lot of relationships that, that blossomed within that, that office. Yeah. Um, anything specifically different about how those things were? I mean, the Dwight and Angela was really about, uh, you know, trying to like fight, hunt them down yeah. sort of like, you know, maybe some pairing on survivor. Right. Right. And that one was specifically fun just because of who those characters are and how they dealt with each other. And, and it was, it was wonderful in its own right. And then, you know, Mindy and, and Ryan was its own dysfunctional relationship that, you know, had other echoes of based on reality kind of <laughs> moments that yes. were, were kind of fun to, 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 to be aware of sort of. I think the with, the, with the Ryan and Kelly stories, when I would, I, we would be reading an episode and a table read and I would sort of immediately go and be like, who wrote this episode again? Oh, okay. All right. I see where this one's coming from. Well, well I had heard that there were some times where when those two were fighting in real life, that the writers would come together and make sure that there was some scene that they were making out <laughs> on set just to kind of poke the bear. Yeah. Well, that sounds like it. Yeah. Like, like Mike sure playing Moe's, which, which, well, the, the, and that first season where they made him grow the beard and keep it. I remember we had, there, there was like a, uh, we didn't get a shot or we needed him with the beard and he had to wear it to the Emmys or something ridiculous. Do you remember oh, that? Oh man, no. I, I, I have some vague recollection of it. And we're live here outside the Perez family home just waiting for the... And there they go. Almost on time this morning. Mom is coming out the front door strong with a double-arm kid carry. Looks like Dad has the bags. Daughter is bringing up the rear. Oh, but the diaper bag wasn't closed. Diapers and toys are everywhere. Ooh, but mom has just nailed the perfect car seat buckle for the toddler. And now the eldest daughter, who looks to be about nine or ten, has secured herself in the booster seat. Dad zips the bag closed, and they're off. Ah, but looks like mom doesn't realize her coffee cup is still on the roof of the car. And there it goes. Oh, that's a shame. That mug was a fam favorite. Don't sweat the small stuff. Just nail the big stuff. Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. The Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our Heart Radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangster Chronicles podcast on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The art world, it is essentially a money laundering business. The best fakes are still hanging on people's walls, you know? They don't even know or suspect that they're fakes. I'm Alec Baldwin, and this is a podcast about deception, greed, and forgery in the art world. You knew the painting was fake. Um. Listen to Art Fraud on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Randall leaves. Randall left, uh, and I became uh, the DP, and Sarah Levy came in. Sarah Levy was uh, a camera operator, and she came in and day played with us when Randall was still around, but she was also just a great fit for the show, so it was perfect to get her in. You know, right now, Sarah's doing, she did Captain Marvel. She, yeah, she works all the time. She's a rock star. Yeah. Was it a big change for you taking over that role on the show or not really? I mean, I was fortunate enough that I knew the show so well and and had worked so closely with Randall that I, I felt like, you know, I was I was ready and it was an easy transition to make. But then you start directing. Actually, that was before Randall left that I, I got my first opportunity. You got direct. your first opportunity during happy hour. Was it happy hour or was it it was it was happy hour. Sorry, because they they the name changed. Oh, sorry. At some point in time, it was Date Mike. Date Mike. But it got changed to Happy Hour. Happy Hour was the episode. Yes. And that was in season six. How did you feel episode. about that? Was that was that something you'd always wanted to do? It or? was something I was interested in doing. Um, Greg gave a number of us our first true opportunities to direct. He gave Randall the opportunity that Randall took and ran with. Uh, he gave it to Dave Rogers, editor, to Claire Scanlon, who was an editor. But I feel like Greg gave us all these opportunities that helped step us all to you know where we are now as directors. Um, I was thrilled to get the opportunity to direct. It was great being on this show because I felt like I had so much support from the cast because. They all knew me. I, you know, I, I always got some level of shit from somebody, but I felt super supported. And um, it was also a great episode because we spent so much time out of the office. And uh, I think we were in a, uh, what's the arcade name? The two names, the. Uh, yeah, Dave and Buster's. It was, was like that. Yeah. yeah. But it was a Dave and Buster's. It was the Dave and Buster's up at Universal. Yes. And, but the name it ended up going with was Sid and Dexter's, which are the names of my kids. And you decided Sid and Dexter's. I, well, I pitched it and they were kind enough to accept it, <laughs> which was kind of fun. That's awesome. Um, what's so great about this episode to me is that, you know, he's getting set up by Jim and Pam with one of Pam's friends. And he's so sweet and genuine to this woman until he realizes that he's on a date. And then he goes back to his car and he puts on his Kangol hat on backwards Yep. and he becomes date Mike. He becomes this horrible, horrible other person that he, that Michael Scott believes is what he needs to be to make this date work. And he causes a huge scene and, you know, everything with this woman that Pam is trying to set him up with goes to pot, but he ends up ultimately making an impression with the manager of the bar and gets a phone number. So he leaves thinking he succeeded. Right. You know, so it was ultimately a win for Michael in a very sad way. In a disastrous way. Yeah. Right. Um, well, you mentioned people who Greg gave an opportunity to direct and the support that you felt from the actors because you were a part. But, you know, he also gave Steve an opportunity and John and Rain and myself uh, an opportunity to direct. And I think we felt so at ease because of the support that you gave uh, on the other side of it. It was uh, kind of a, yeah, we, we kind of helped each other out. Without a doubt. You know, the, 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 the show was like a family because there were so many people that were on the show for so many seasons. And, you know, to spend that much time with that many people, to have lunches with everybody day in and day out, to be trapped on our small set day in and day out, you have no choice but to build a friendship. Right. And I, I, you know, it's, it's the most fortunate experience I've ever had. And I think I will ever have in, 
TV. You know, it has truly given me everything else that has come since. And it has set me up to deal with everything that I've dealt with and taught me, you know, to get to watch actors who start out as kids and new on set to become huge mega celebrities and junior high kids today are binge watching it, you know, day in and day out. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I love the fact that my dad has all of the swag that I got from the show. Oh, you gave it to your dad? I, I gave all my stuff. So he wears the jackets, he wears the hats. And, you know, my dad is 86. He goes out to the store, whatever, is wearing an office season two, season three jacket or hat. And no matter where he goes, he gets stopped. And somebody's like, wow, did you work on the office? Oh, right. And, and it makes him laugh and it makes him proud. And uh, yeah, it's funny. When did you hear that Steve was leaving? Do you remember? Oh, boy. Did you, when you realized that he was leaving and we went and we shot Goodbye, Michael, do you remember emotions that came up? Again, because I'm not only a laughing on the inside clown, I'm also a crying on the inside clown. So it was a running joke on set to guess who was going to cry next right? On, uh, during that week. Because boy, it was, it was contagious and it just went around and there was a lot of emotion. And all I remember is going, man, we're never going to get through this week. <laughs> right. It was the end of an era, you know, yeah. the fact that he was leaving. And it was one of those things that there was that level of unsureness of, of wondering what happens now, you know, is this ship just going to immediately sink as soon as he steps off of it or can it continue to, to sail? Well, you knew directed the next episode after he left inner circle with will, do you remember any specific I don't know, pressure that you felt or I hadn't realized that that was the one after he left. Yeah. What a horrible thing to do to me. <laughs> Probably just cause no one else was willing to take that episode. Right. Yeah. It was all on my shoulders. How was that directing that right after Steve left? Well, again, it was, it was that whole thing that the, the show must go on. We were still marching forward. It was sad not having Steve around but we still had a job to do and you know, to, to have will there wasn't a bad thing. Right. And then the office goes to Florida and you direct two of those episodes. And I'm a little bit hurt that you didn't mention your favorite director that you worked with was me hands down who Brian. directed another one of those of, episodes. Yes. Of the Tallahassee episodes. Now as a first time director of the show, what were your biggest challenges? Well, you screwed me. I mean, that my biggest challenge was you, actually. Excellent. And I don't know if we have discussed this before, but I will tell a story. Oh, God. So in my episode, there was a little bit of Ryan actually also kind of flirting with Ellie. Right. Uh, oh, sorry, uh, Aaron, uh, played by Ellie Kemper. And they decided to break into the kitchen and they were going to make a waffle. Yes. They were going to make, uh huh. Yes. And so suddenly some people came into the kitchen, uh, who worked there and they weren't supposed to be there. This was at a big hotel. So they hide under a table. Okay. And we shoot this and I'm looking and I'm very attuned to their performance under the table. And I, you know, I really felt like I did really great on my job and we had a background performer. Oh, and we had background performers who were, walking back and forth so you could see their legs and right. they were in the shot. And at one point, a background performer was standing right behind the industrial table where they were hiding under. And, um, please, can I, can I, and I'm, um, I have a vision now. Was this the guy that was cracking the imaginary eggs? Yes. So I'm very focused on our principal actors. You are supposedly looking through the camera lens at what we're shooting and making sure that everything looks appropriate. And there's a background performer who for multiple takes stood above the table just in, and took a bowl 
and cracked imaginary eggs on that bowl and did the yolk thing and threw the eggs away and kept cracking eggs into this bowl. So I go in to edit this episode and they're like, see the guy back there? And I'm like, what? No, BJ looks great. What do you mean? And they're like, no, the guy cracking the imaginary eggs. So they literally had to go in and And zoom in, zoom in to cut out. Now now you could only see the guy's hands. Like you couldn't see his face or anything else, but you could see him fake cracking. Here's my big question. Yes. Was it my camera or was it the other camera? Actually, here's the important thing. The important thing is, is that I think we only had one camera going because we were shooting. Oh, that's true. I think you should have been watching. You either shot it or you should have been watching. I think I, again, was mesmerized much by like you by the performance. Mm, that's my job. That's, no, that's my job. I'm the director. Yeah, well, you need to pay attention to what you're shooting. Add it to the list, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> um, season nine comes. You hear the show is coming to an end. What, what's your, what was your feeling then? To me, it was time. It, it felt right. For my career personally, it was time because then it was after this show that I stepped away from camera as a whole and just started directing. And, you know, it was interesting for me, for my career, when I got my representation, when I got my agents, uh, they said to me, okay, it's time for you to step away and just become a full-time director. And I said, you know what? The office gave me all of these opportunities. I'm not leaving them. I'm going to stay and finish the show. And, you know, I was, I was happy to be a part of it. Again, to be on a show for nine seasons is, in my mind, unheard of. It'll be the longest I'll ever be, you know, on any show. And I feel super fortunate. And I'm glad that I stuck it out and was there for the whole run of the show. So you laugh and cry on the inside. Did you, do you remember specific emotions like at the last final table read? It was a great episode. And I don't know if, how much you remember of that episode. Greg was writing up to, it was almost as if he did not want the show to end. Yes. He kept writing more and more and we kept shooting more and more and more. Yeah. Was that your first acting work? As documentary crew member? I, I was told, I was assured that they were going to replace my voice with a more masculine <laughs> documentary, documentarian voice. So I, I'm, I'm in Dwight's car, he's driving, and it's scripted that the documentarian asks him a question. And I was asking him the question, so he had someone to answer to. Right. And again, the discussion was, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll change it in the edit. Lo and behold, there's my, my first and only acting credit for anything. That is. Is the office. So I guess as things go, it's, it's not bad. What do you think is harder, acting or operating a camera? Oh, boy. I think acting's harder only because you're getting judged constantly by everybody. I feel like my operating can get judged. But only but, by like one or two but, people. But yes. But 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 nobody's judging my physical appearance. No nobody's yeah, right. nobody's seeing into my soul. Yes. So, that's true. What are you most thankful for in the show? I mean, the show gave me so much. It gave me, you know nine years of of regular work which is huge in this business it gave me basically the career that i've continued on you know greg daniels gave me my opportunities to direct uh it gave me friendships with a whole lot of people that i never would have met if i hadn't been part of the show you know but it it also gave me such an amazing look into sort of the underbelly and behind the curtain of what it takes to make a show. You know, I was very privileged to get to go to meetings and get to be in rooms, get to hear conversations and get to be part of conversations that, you know, in any other case, I I wouldn't have been invited to. Right. And uh, it's hands down a... It'll be a highlight of my career. Yeah. 
where do you think that you would be right now if the office had never happened? If you hadn't gotten dengue fever? <sighs> Boy, that's a very good question. I, I, I don't want to think about that, Brian. Right. right. <laughs> I feel very fortunate, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I wouldn't be where I am now without the show. And I don't want to think about where I would be <laughs> without the without show. Without the show. Um, well, thank you so much. My You're pleasure. a busy big time director now. I don't, I don't know about that. You're a busy big time director. I'm happy to be working. And I, I so appreciate you coming and talking to me about these old times. It's, it's my pleasure. It's really fun. I'm sure there's other stuff that I've forgotten. Well, but, it uh, doesn't matter. Now I have one other thing. Yeah. Did you do you remember the conversation with JJ Abrams his first day on set? No, what was the conversation? How he freaked out his first day on set? No, tell this. JJ Abrams freaked out the first day on set? So the first season we shot the show in Culver City, mm -hmm. we used the Felicity offices. Right. And when he was on our set, because it was a copy of that set, the conference room was his office on Felicity when he ran that show. And he said every time he was on the set, it freaked him out because all he remembered was that's the conference room, but that's my office. That's my office. Yeah. No, I did not remember that. Yeah. I remember that J.J. Um, Abrams wanted to direct a whole season he of did. the show. And Greg said no. He wanted to direct a whole season? He wanted to come in and direct a whole season. How does that guy have the time to direct Greg, a whole season? I, I don't know how he, he has the time to do, do everything he does. Wow. I know. Amazing. Yeah. I, I remember him bring us food trucks every day. But I remember also we had a conversation just in between takes about Coldplay. And I had mentioned I was a fan. And the next day he comes in and he says, hey, Matt, I got you the new CD, Coldplay's new CD. I thought you might enjoy it. I was like, who are you? How, how, how can when you, did you have time to I, go get this? Coldplay yeah, CD? exactly. How can you be this nice of a person? Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, so many. Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. Boy, who else? I mean, John Favreau was great. Brian yeah. Baumgartner. We, Brian Baumgartner. Um, he was unbelievable. I recall. He, he, he was strong. He brought it. You know, we didn't, we weren't sure, but he brought it. Thanks, buddy. You got it, my friend. Oh. Well, there you have it. This is what I heard. Matt Sohn said that I, Brian Baumgartner, was one of the best directors ever in the history of The Office. His words, not mine. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed this this mini-series on camera as character as much as I did, do yourself a favor and go back and watch an episode of the show, a scene of the show that you enjoy. And just imagine Matt and Randall holding the cameras, trying their darndest not to laugh. It's a fun exercise. Uh, thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful week, and I will see you next time for another installment, another chapter of... The Office Deep Dive. The Office Deep Dive is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our senior producer is Tessa Kramer. Our producer is Adam Macias. Our associate producer is Emily Carr. And our assistant editor is Diego Tapia. My main man in the booth is Alec Moore. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend Creed Bratton, and the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky. Chicken say, uh, cat, giraffe, giraffe, really, giraffe, uh, giraffe.
you're not going to get it all right. Just make sure you nail the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. What's up, guys? I'm Rashad Bilal. And I am Troy Millings, and we are the hosts of the Earn Your Leisure podcast, where we break down business models and examine the latest trends in finance. We hold court and have exclusive interviews with some of the biggest names in business, sport and entertainment, from DJ Khaled to Mark Cuban, Rick Ross, and Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, our alumni list is expansive. Listen in as our guests reveal their business models, hardships, and triumphs in their respective fields. The knowledge is in-depth, and the questions are always delivered from your standpoint. We want to know what you want to know. We talk to the legends of business, sports, and entertainment about how they got their start, and most importantly, how they make their money. Earn Your Leisure is a college business class mixed with pop culture. Want to learn about the real estate game? Unclear as how the stock market works? We got you. Interested in starting a trucking company or a vending machine business? Not really sure about how taxes or credit work? We got it all covered. The Earn Your Leisure podcast is available now. Listen to Earn Your Leisure on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 